If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up. From the rewatch to the Q&A, we will have loads of content every week. So sign up, patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. Severe MMA. The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody, it's episode 257 of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by the William Regal of Irish Mixed Martial Arts Media, Graham McDonnell, as we talk about a big week coming up in the world of Mixed Martial Arts, massive UFC 273 card coming up next week. Uh, we had a very big week in the world of uh, UK and Irish MMA with two massive cage warriors cards, so we will review them and anything else that maybe pops up that we can speak about along the way but before we do that we must tell you that uh, spring cleaning have you started it yet the carpets need cleaning the drapes need dusting and your lawn needs mowing spring has sprung and the global leaders in below the waist grooming have the best tools for cleaning aisle five in your pants time to <laughs> clear out your winter bush and join the four million men worldwide who trust manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20 percent off and free shipping with the code severe m um, uh, Manscaped has the full package you need for spring cleaning this year. The Performance Package 4.0 is the only tool you need to keep your boys looking and smelling f- like fresh tulips that your partner would want. To start off your spring cleaning, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer. Uh, waterproof, it has a light. No need to worry about watering the, <laughs> the grass with this tool. Uh, and as well, that light in the shower is absolutely fantastic clear your holes and smell the spring air with the weed whacker nose and ear hair trimmer that has that magnificent proprietary skin safe technology which helps to prevent nicks snags and tugs in those delicate holes then you can have the crop preserver uh preserver even and the crop reviver that crop preserver is fantastic it's anti-chafing ball deodorant and the reviver is a spray on toner for your balls keep them boys from sticking to your leg and smelling fresh like flowers and finish off your grooming routine uh, with the Plow 2.0, the perfect razor for the finest shave in your face. Ooh, ooh, this is the first time hearing about that. Manscaped sent me out one of them. I, I'm going to need one of them. Because if you're using the Lawnmower 4.0 on your balls and your face, you're doing it wrong, boys, which is fair. The start of spring also marks the start of Testicular Cancer Awareness Month in April. Uh, Manscaped has partnered with the Testicular Cancer Society to bring awareness to testicular cancer, men's health, and early cancer detection. Manscaped is committed to raising awareness for uh, the most common form of cancer in men aged uh, 15 to 35 and giving support for fighters, survivors, and families impacted by testicular cancer as part of the We Save Balls initiative. So, 
must smell as fresh and clean as you can this spring and check yourself before you wreck yourself. Call to action for everyone now is 20% off and free shipping with that code SevereMMManscape.com. That's 20% off with free shipping using the code SevereMMManscape.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life with our friends over at Manscaped. Graham, oh my God, I know. I, before you, before you what, go on, what, what, what's William Regal up to these days? He's actually, he, uh, I, I, do you know what? I'm gone very bad for thinking up the names uh, for you these days. I literally just spring it on myself every time. He actually signed for AEW there a couple of weeks ago. So uh, he was running NXT, the... Um, the WWE development school for ages, but that thing is after like changing massively. So now he's on with AEW and he's running a faction with Daniel Bryan and uh, John Moxley, uh, previously Dean Ambrose. People might know him as. So is, is Daniel Bryan not retired? No, they have some big retirement thing. No, he did, no. but well, he he did retire. They made Fake him retire. Hashtag uh, no, wrestling retirement. No, to be fair, he uh, <laughs> he had like concussion issues and. Uh, it, took, it was like two years before he came back. He had to do loads of cryotherapy and loads of different things before uh, he got cleared. Sure, so. sure, sure, don't they all? They do, they do, I suppose. Yeah, it's a tough sport. Sure, last time I saw him, he was being humiliated. Uh, William Regal, I mean, uh, being humiliated by uh, kissing uh, Vince's ass on TV. Yeah, but, uh, that was a long time ago now. Yeah, a long, long time ago. WrestleMania, actually, we're recording this Saturday night. WrestleMania, right after we, uh, we finished recording, so... Looking forward how, to how, that. How exciting that is. Yeah, exciting, really. can't wait. Stone Cold wow. Steve Austin is back. Sure. Oh really? Yeah, that's 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 cool. Is he wrestling or is he too old for that? They don't know yet. No, it's kind of like, is he gonna wrestle or is he gonna just do a few stunners and a few lads? I'm not uh, sure. Probably yet, better. So. He, he slags a few people off, does a few stunners, and pours a few beers over his head. Yeah, sure. What more do you want? <laughs> that's what, that's what we all want. That's what we all want. Um, come here. Let's. I think we'll start with UFC two seven three here because I I need to cool down after that Mad Cage Warriors card we just watched. I need I need I need to let it let it rest in my head for a little bit uh, before we get into. That. That. Um, and we started with Irish MMA last week, so let's start with Irish MMA again uh, this week and talk about Ian Gary versus Darian Weeks on a, on a mad stacked card. Uh, it feels like Ian Gary's career so far in uh, in the UFC has been on these really really good cards, it, and it's you know it's a smart thing to do to uh, getting around uh, when all the media is around. You know, getting on the, he was on the Usman versus Covington card, the one in MSG back in uh, November, I think it was, and he's on this one now, which is a massive one as well with two title fights in it, and pretty close to where he's living over in the US now. Very very smart. Uh, I was talking to Ian yesterday, actually. That interview will be out in Sherdog during the week. And honestly, do you know what? He seems back to himself. You know, for the last while, obviously, he had to, to split up with Team KF. And then he was moving to America. And he was only a couple of weeks nearly in his gym before his last fight. But this time, he's been settled. He's been there, what, a good six months now, at least, at this stage. And he feels settled into his gym. He's himself and Jason Jackson seem to be like, uh, you know, they could be starring in the body movie pretty soon. And uh, who, Who's a bigger fan of Jason Jackson? Ian Gary or Sean Sheehan? Me, I think. He's, he's, coming, he's, coming for your, he's coming for your boy. <laughs> he is. He, he actually brought him over before Taking everything uh, you worked for he, br- he brought him over before we did the interview and he's like oh Jason this guy loves you and I was pure embarrassed I was like <laughs> he was there in Sanford MMA when I interviewed him so I was like oh hello Jason how are you so I was DMing him back and forth you might see him in an interview pretty soon but I, I love a bit of Jason Jackson but with that said, you know, Ian's training with him. He's training with Gilbert Burns. He said Usman was on the mats uh, not too long ago as well. And Vicente Luque has a fight coming up next week as well. Training with all these guys, it can only be I mean, good even, for Even guys who probably haven't heard of are probably yeah. really Logan good guys Storley in the too. gym over there. Yeah. 
what what how much are you anticipating this fight like i feel like for a lot of people this fight has maybe come up on him a little bit because like i think it's smart but i don't think ian has been putting himself out there as much as maybe you would expect like let's let's say paddy pimdle we're seeing him everywhere we're seeing him in cage wires and barstool we're seeing him all over the place whereas ian gary's like it feels like he's concentrated on the fighting for the last six months yeah. which is a good thing what, what do you think yeah, it seems like he's in the trenches working away. You know, all the videos you see of him are heading to the gym or from the gym or talking about the gym. It's, it's, he seems to be, you know, really into it, uh, really well adjusted to the new the new setup over in Sanford. Obviously, you mentioned there, we talked about it on the podcast even before his UFC debut, how hard it is to move to a new country and, you know, move away from your team and um, not the most uh, amicable uh, circumstances, you know, uh, a pretty big blow up and a split and you have to move over and you're in making a UFC debut, which is already a nerve wracking thing. We've seen, we've seen the UFC nerves many a times from many a fighter. And I think Ian did suffer a little bit from all of these things. You know, he didn't start off the best in a, the first minute or so of his, uh, of his UFC debut. Like, like we were used to seeing him throughout his career and in cage warriors. And, uh, obviously it all went to plan in the end and it was a beautiful knockout and all that. But I think, I expect I'll be expecting him to look more comfortable than there against Darian Weeks, and I think it's a nice matchup for him to go in there and you know show all the improvements that he's been working on in the gym. And obviously he's a he's a very well rounded fighter. We've seen it in cage wars and stuff, but obviously there's there's always so much room to improve for somebody that young in the sport and that young in age as well. And training with these new new training, you you listed off guys there like that that can only make you better and. I'm sure it has, and I, I see him coming out here and probably making the statement that many people probably thought he was going to make in the, the first UFC fight, even though he did come out there and, you know, knock the guy out really impressively. I think there was some there was some um, more uh, opposition coming his way than maybe most people expected, but I expect him to go out in this one and really kind of sh- show what he's made of and show how good he is everywhere and just dominate. Yeah. I asked him about that last fight and I just asked what what do you think of your performance without saying anything and he said he basically said it was terrible you know which is uh, is a big thing for him to say because I remember we talked about one of his performances before and I, one of the two of us kind of said oh he got hit a little he needs to cut that out or whatever and he kind of got mad at, not mad but you know just kind of taking him he's like hi what are you saying that was about whatever but this time he was very critical of his own performance which is a good thing to see because like I went back and watched that fight and I was like that didn't that not the really and Gary in there like you know and he you know as you said the the UFC jitters and all that he said that himself he and he said it in, the, in other interviews as well that he you know you see Bruce Buffer there you see this is my dream I've made it and next thing you're thirty seconds later and there's this guy Jared Williams who's fought a couple of times in the UFC coming out with no jitters punching you in the fucking face and it takes maybe ten of those shots to realize oh shit I'm actually in a real life fight here I'm not in my dream. So I think, you know, hopefully that's out the window now and we can move on to what we see here. So what we have here at Darian Weeks is a very interesting matchup. Like, if people haven't maybe watched much of Darian Weeks, a very good wrestler. He fought Brian Barberina on short notice in his last fight. And he lost that fight, but it wasn't the blow away by any means. Took Brian Barberina down in the second round. Um, 
he's a type of fighter who like throws long kicks up through the middle because he's usually smaller than his opponents and he will be a lot smaller than Ian Gary so he uses that to kind of uh, to, to, to keep the distance and to, to cut that lint that usually he would lose a fight from so Gary will have to get through that first of all without being taken down at the same time so it, look it's an interesting matchup um, I don't think Weeks is the fastest in the world good counter striker but I think Gary will be fast enough and this is a very different matchup for the from the Jordan Williams fight because if you remember the Jordan Williams fight you know as I said Jordan hit him 10 times in the face very early in that fight and Ian won by letting Jordan come on to him slipping and countering he won't do that against Darian Weeks Darian Weeks is the type of guy you'll have to attack because he wants to counter now and if you do attack him he will get the counter and he will look for the counter anyway but he won't come out and attack you in that sort of a way he won't be coming forward throwing three or four shots so it's a very very different matchup uh, for Ian Gary here and I think it's probably a good job by the matchmakers giving him someone else giving him someone different to, to, to see how he looks against him while not moving him forward uh, too far so you know Brian Barberina is, is a way bigger uh, quality of opponent than anyone Ian has ever faced uh, so Darian Weeks is a little bit ahead of him in, in that obviously having lost that fight but it's it, it'll be a uh, It'll be a good yardstick, I think, for for where Ian Gary is, is in his career and what he looks like against someone like uh, what, like Darian Weeks. I don't know how, how much you have have you watched from Graham. What what do you think of the matchup for Ian? The thing about Darian Weeks is looking at his record, you know, five and one. He looks kind of inexperienced, but if you if you look to his amateur record, he's what fifteen and three in that. You know, he's fought in the IMAFs. He's fought locally uh, extensively, so he, he's he's a lot more experienced than maybe he'd look on record. But you know, I think the the quality of opponents that he's beaten a pro record don't stack up to the quality of opponents that Ian Gary was facing in cage wires and things like that. But, you know, but Brian Barberina has been around the UFC for a long time. He's a, he's a, he's a difficult guy to come in against short notice again. So maybe you can, you can kind of excuse that one a little bit. And I think he may be a bit, little more dangerous than five and one would suggest, but uh, I think Ian, you know, we, we've been watching him for a long time. He's really talented. He, he seems to pick things up really quickly uh, between fights. He might fight a couple of months later and look, and have added new wrinkles to his game over the years. And being over there in Sanford, I expect to see a, a load of new things here. I expect to see a really, really impressive Ian Gary here. And I think he's going to be too much for Darian here. But, uh, you know, with Darian as well, he could he could improve as well. You know, obviously, as I mentioned, coming in on short notice is never easy. But I think this is this is a big ask for him, and I think it's it's good matchmaking for for Ian Gary. Yeah, I would tend to agree. Like you, you, you never really know at this stage of their careers. Like Ian could come out looking like a totally different fighter, or Darian Weeks could come out looking like a totally different fighter as well. And it's uh, it's a very interesting one to see, and another step for Ian Gary. You know with the world opening up now you know they were back in London a couple of weeks ago we really could see uh, them back in Ireland very very soon we'll talk about the, the new Irish uh, contingent coming through in Cage Warriors and obviously we have Paul Hughes in Cage Warriors Dean Barry's making his UFC debut very soon obviously Conor will be coming back I don't know if he'll be fighting in Ireland or not but you know it's it's an interesting time before the pandemic started they were uh, they were coming to Ireland you know they had the date booked in and everything uh, and, it, and it didn't end up happening I wonder will they come back pretty soon and if Ian Gary wins here maybe he's calling for the UFC Dublin maybe Dean Barry wins and maybe you know there's a few more uh, it's something that could happen down the line so this is a big fight for Ian uh, and if he moves upwards in this uh, you know you could you could have a, you could have a big spot in that card for him so a very very important big fight for him here ninth fight if he's square looking forward to seeing that 
I mentioned earlier on one of his teammates, Gilbert Burns. He's fighting Hamza Shimaev. And before we get to the, the title fights, I think we have to talk about that one. That's a very, very interesting fight. And, you know, I, I have a lot of previews to record and talk about this fight this week. And honestly, I don't think I'll, ha- I'll probably uh, say the same thing twice in either of them because I don't know how this fight is going to go. Like... Shamayev's wrestling is unbelievably strong, and I look, he, he can probably take anyone in the world down, unless your name maybe is, is Habib Nurmagomedov, or maybe Kamaru Usman, or someone like that. Um, but Gilbert Burns' bottom game is so good. His jiu-jitsu is so good. Do you want to take Gilbert Burns down? And on the feet, uh, and I'll throw this over to you, and I want to get your take on it, because I, I was kind of talking through the fight to myself earlier on, and thinking like, Shamayev striking, especially in that Mershart fight, obviously where he knocked him out. We haven't seen too much of Shamayev striking uh, in the OC. We've seen a bit. Of, he got a big knockout outside the OC as well. But you would think a lot of that good striking was brought about by the fear of the takedown. Like, will Gilbert Burns fear the takedown as much as other people, knowing how good he is on the ground and knowing that most people don't want to take him down? Therefore, will that open up his hands and make it a more even striking matchup? Uh, that, could that be a key here? Could Gilbert Burns' like, ability or he, his want to open up and, and strike more with Shamayev actually be a big key to this fight? Um, oh, see, it's, it's really hard to know with Shamayev, as you say, how good his striking actually is. Uh, you know, we've seen in little spurts, uh, maybe because, as you said, because uh, the threat of the takedown or him faking the takedown and coming over with, with a big overhand. But, you know, Gilbert Burns, is his jiu-jitsu good enough to to you know pull off a submission against Shimaev from the bottom <laughs> like uh, it could be but I don't think so but like you know Shimaev is, is young in his career he has questions to, to answer as well we're kind of talking as if he's kind of shown it all when he when he really he hasn't like this is a huge huge step up in competition for him um you know he's beaten good guys but this is this is a you know a former contender this is a much much more well-rounded guy than he's than he's fought before. Gilbert Burns isn't just a grappler like like he used to be. He's a well-rounded guy now. He can strike. He's shown that. It, it, you know, I think the, the the days of these guys coming in and being the Verdooms where you can't really go to the ground with them or they're just going to tap you in in a few seconds they're gone. I think I think Shimaev is probably on a on a level where he's you know, rolled with all these black belts and he knows how to keep his position and maybe he won't be as dominant with the ground and pound. Maybe he won't open up as much. He won't posture up as much to give the space to Burns. But yeah, I think, especially over three rounds, I think Shimaev will be able to stay safe and, you know, chip away with his ground and pound. It might not be as uh, vicious as we've seen in the past, but as the fight goes on and as he as he kind of takes the the cardio out of Gilbert Burns from top position, if he, if he can get the takedowns, which I expect him to be able to, then I think maybe, you know, the ground and pound will increase and maybe I get a TKO or a, or a dominant decision victory. Look, it's one of those fights where we're going to learn something, isn't it? Like, we're going to learn... Yeah, if, this if, is assuming, you know, a lot of things about Shimaev yeah. that we're kind of... A lot of people seem to be assuming and I'm, I'm, I seem to be falling into the same <laughs> yeah, but the we, same trap, but yeah. We will know by oh, Sunday, like, we will know by next Sunday because Shimaev will either come out and he'll take Gilbert Burns down and he'll fucking destroy him and we'll all be saying, look, you have to put him in there with Cameron Usman next uh, or else he'll come out there, Gilbert Burns will stop the takedown and he'll blast him out of there. Or it's a very even fight. And, you know, both things could be said, like, he's very, very good. He's at that level, but maybe he's not as destructive as we thought he could be. Whatever happens, we're going to learn something about Shemaev. We're going to learn something about that division. 
look about Gilbert Burns I don't know it's hard maybe we'll learn that Gilbert Burns isn't in the position he once was at, at towards the very top if he wins you know he, he could absolutely be back there again very very shortly because the that kind of the, the, the roundabout at the top of the welterweight division seems to be going around very very quickly considering Masvidal and, and Colby both have gotten rematches already so it's a look it's an interesting fight it's a it's one of those ones where you always mention the word Graham Jeopardy this one has more jeopardy than than most fights we're going to see. We'll obviously talk about the two uh, main events, which uh, have the the most jeopardy you can have with the belts. But this one, it means so much. It means, um, you know, one of the best up and comers in the world will either be the next title challenger, the next guy, or he won't be. And I'm I'm really looking forward. Or to he that. might be, uh, but he might need more time. Yes, yeah, exactly. Know? Yeah, exactly. That's it. There's so whatever way it goes, it's it's interesting. I. It's the type of fight you want to see. You know, it's the type of fight. We used to always talk before about, you know, one guy on the way up, one guy on the way down, and they meet in the middle. Now, this, this isn't necessarily that. I don't think Gilbert Burns is gone or he's useless if he loses. And the same for Shemayev, you know. Uh, but it's a different sort of fight. It, it's a really, really fun fight and an intriguing matchup. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to seeing how it goes. Look, I, I think the same as you. I think Shemayev will, will probably win, but I don't know. I just I feel like if this fight stays on the feet for a while, it we will learn something else about Shumayev, whether he's elite on the feet as well, but we've seen that in the past, you know, I don't want to go full DC talking about Marcia Casey here, because we have seen him knock lads spark out, but elite on the feet against a guy who's not afraid of the takedown in certain ways anyway, but yeah, can't wait for that fight, it's it's going to be it's going to be unreal. Um, the undercard is, is pretty good too, uh, Julio Arce starts off the card against Daniel Santos, uh, Piero Rodriguez fighting Kay Hansen. Anthony Hernandez is fighting uh, Josh Fr- Frin- Frimmed. Oh, Frimmed. Oh. Uh, Alexi Olnik is a new opponent. He's fighting Jared Vandera. Uh, he was supposed to fight Ilir Latifi a couple of weeks ago. Dinny was supposed to fight him as well on this card. But uh, that fight's after falling out now. Um, the fight between Chris Curtis and Drikis Duplessis fell out, as did the fight between Kelvin Gaslam and Nasruddin Imavov. Din Gaslam was supposed to fight Duplessis. Now, Gaslam has fallen out of that fight against Duplessis as well. So, I don't know if they're going to get Duplessis back on the card. I don't think so, I'd say, after this. So, that's unfortunate that those fights are off. Uh, Marco Madsen as well. Massive fight for him. 11-0, the former Olympic uh, wrestler. He's fighting Vince Pichel. And he's another guy, Graham. He needs to get moving in that division, doesn't he? We talked about um, um, Alex Pereira a couple of weeks ago. Now, he's fighting Sean Strickland. And that that's a massive fight. I think Marco Madsen's in a similar type of place here in this division. At, at his age, you know, 11 and 0 in his MMA career, went through cage wires, has, has gone through uh, the who's who so far in kind of the, the, the climbing through uh, of the, the, uh, the UFC uh, lightweight division. At 37 years of age, you know, he's beaten Clay Guida, beaten Austin Hubbard. If he can beat, beat Vince Pichel, I think he's in line for a big matchup. So this is a, a big fight for Marco Madsen here, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it, you know, it's kind of a must win for him at 37, you know, obviously he's only 11 and 0 and you're thinking, oh, he could, you know, he's probably still working on his skills, but maybe that's that's incorrect as well, because as we, as we you know, look at athletes, they compared to 20, 30 years ago, they're, they're lasting a lot longer in the sport. We see, you know, soccer, Tom Brady, people like that, you know, still going. Cristiano but, Ronaldo, is that the one yeah, you're thinking yeah, of there? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, he's not, he's not, it's not going so well for him, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's going okay, you know. Uh, 
the odd the odd game it's okay if you if you wrap them in cotton wool for two weeks around each game like it'd, it'd be grand but uh yeah i think with, with madsen he does have to he does have to beat pichel and he probably has to beat him comfortably uh if he's ever gonna get to the to the top it's a it's a you know really difficult division to be coming into like this 155 pound division for the last five or ten years has been an absolute killer's row and yeah wrestling having really dominant wrestling has been a really good recipe for success in the past but i think with the way how well rounded the top guys are these days especially in the lightweight division you're going to need a lot more than that so Probably either way, it's probably a it's probably a, a mountain too 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 high to climb for Madsen. But yeah, if I, he's going to make it happen, he's got to he's got to go out there, smash Vince Michelle, and you know call yeah. somebody cut, cut the right promo. <laughs> yeah, I think he needs <laughs> I think he needs some improvements as well too because I don't think he's a finished article as an MMA fighter yet. The, the rest of them alone, uh, I know he's eleven and on. That sounds a bit harsh, but the rest of alone is not going to see him through. I don't think so. I'd be interested to see how he fights. Vince Michelle is a good test. A very very good fighter being around for a while. So interesting fight there. Uh, Mickey Gall, who's also fighting sure. in San Francisco. You know. Vince Michelle has only two losses. I, I, yeah. That's mental. I thought he had like five or six. I don't know why. I, I used to always mix up Vince Michelle with... Uh, the, the, did he fight the lad? Your man, did, do you remember that big tall lad that got knocked out a couple of times? Um, oh, he was... Spo- uh, it doesn't matter anyway. It's just someone I mix him up with. But yeah, he lost to Rustam Kavalov back in 2012. He lost to Gregor Gillespie in 2018. You know, so yeah, yeah they're pretty, they're not bad losses no, in fairness. Fair. You know? Yeah, to be fair, now he hasn't. So interesting. And even on even on the Ultimate Fighter, his loss was to Ally Quinta and Exhibition Man about there. Yeah, yeah. So interesting. Big fight, big fight for bottom. Um, as I mentioned, Mickey Gall trying trying out as Sanford MMA now. He's fighting uh, Mike Mallet, great name, Mike Mallet. Aspen Ladd is fighting Raquel Pennington. She was due to fight Irina Aldana in probably a number one contender fight in that division. So look, big opportunity for Raquel Pennington to bounce back um, against Aspen Ladd, who, who you know probably would have had a title shot a while back. But three in a row now for uh, Raquel Pennington after losing to, to Holly Holm, and you know obviously she lost to Manny Nunes in that title fight and uh, Jermaine Durandamy as well. Whereas Aspen Ladd, you know nine. And two now in her career and lost at Armadale Mountain last time uh, after beating Kunitskaya and losing that weird fight against Jermaine Durandamy with the was it Herb Dean? Uh, you know, it usually is Herb Dean. So um, big, big fight for big fight for both women in that division. Honestly, there as well. So looking forward to uh, seeing that. Uh, Jersey Rosenstruck against Tibora. The heavyweight division is moving a lot at the moment. So a big win there. We'll put someone forward because there's. It feels like there's an uneven number of heavyweights at the moment with, you know, Jones and Stipe and Blades and, uh, you know, Derek Lewis and, and uh, Tai Tuivasa and Aspinall and the rest as well. So a big win here, I think, especially for Rosenstruck. The UFC have liked to put him in big uh, fights so far, and I think if he wins here, he'll be pushed uh, towards there. Maybe the same could be said for Tybor. It's actually a good fight. I think that'll be a fun fight. And I think the same for McKenzie Darren versus Tisha Torres. How do you yeah, think that fight Yeah, a really going? difficult one to, to yeah. know how it's going to go. I think the same. Like, if it hits the ground, I, I think uh, Tisha Torres will be very, very... Like she's very good at following a game plan. I think her game plan will be to not engage or engage with extreme caution when hitting the ground. And if if she does follow a you know a really solid game plan, which which she's known to do, she probably can win this decision thirty twenty seven or twenty nine twenty eight, and she probably will do that. But she's she's got to watch out for Mackenzie Dern pulling guard, even jumping on her back, any kind of creating scrambles, things like that. But I'm sure she'll be drilling those things and 
you know, we've seen her in the past be able to execute game plans pretty well. So, yeah, it's a hard one, but I'd probably just lean Torres. But, yeah, if Mackenzie Dern managed to, to you know, yeah, grapple her, I wouldn't be too surprised either. I, it feels like Tisha Torres is a horrible matchup for McKinsey Dern. Like, what do you want to do against uh, the best female jiu-jitsu artist in the world? You want to run away from him, basically, and that's what Tisha Torres does in her fights. And I, I don't mean any disrespect by that now in, in any way. That's It's a good game plan if you can do it. Fight from the outside, hit and don't get hit. That's what prize fighting and that's what uh, martial arts are all about. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. The one factor I would say here is, as you said, if she can tie her up and get her down, you look, you'd expect McKinsey Dern to submit almost anyone. Although in recent fights, she hasn't been as as maybe dominant or as confident in going for it immediately as maybe she should be. But I think the size difference here would be a big thing. Like, McKinsey Dern in the past has struggled to get down to 115, although in the last while she hasn't, but she is... You know, she is a big woman for that division, whereas Tisha Torres, I think if they opened up a 115-pound division, she'd be there tomorrow without having to... This to is only 15 pounds. Sorry, 105-pound yeah. division, I mean. Sorry, an atomweight division. She, I'm pretty sure... She's fought there before in Invicta, hasn't she? She would be anyway. Um, yeah. So, yeah, she... And that, I think that might be the one difference. Like, if Dern can catch her, put her against the cage and drag her down, look, that's where she wins the fight. So that that's the fight really in a nutshell. Although Dern hits hard as well. You know, we've seen her hitting, a, uh, you know, uh, landing a few shots in, in recent fights. Her striking was one of those ones where sometimes it look go- looks good and then sometimes you think, oh, well, maybe it doesn't look good actually after all uh, in the next fight. Well, so, if the threat of the takedown is there, she can probably work her hands a little bit better. And if she has some success with the hands, it'll also open up the takedowns. And, you know, she's... She, as you said, she's probably, uh, she probably needs to be more aggressive about her grappling, even if it's not she a can't perfect give up double it, leg. Can she? Yeah, if yeah. it's not a perfect double leg or a single leg, it doesn't matter. Just keep going, keep going, keep yeah. your opponents under pressure. Make them know that like any momentary decision made badly here is going to end up with, with me in a really bad position here. And she probably needs to use her, her like, um, expertise in in grappling as as much more of an active threat than she has recently like she agree, used to do yeah. when she when she first kind of came to MMA yeah 100% myself and Ian did the um uh, the what's the word I'm looking for we went back and looked at Heist Gracie's career a couple of weeks ago and like looking at the way Heist Gracie engaged his jiu-jitsu no okay he was engaging against people who didn't know how to fight MMA like people know how to fight MMA today especially someone as high level as Teacher Torres but I feel like people like McKinsey Dern are look, McKinsey Dern is probably a bad example because everyone knows it's going to happen with her. But other people who fancy their, themselves on the ground to have an advantage there, I think engaging in a more like, in a, in a you know, pulling guard basically is what I'm saying, or, or getting to the ground no matter what position you want the, the fight to be in is something Paul that we. Paul Craig, exactly, like we talked about it. Yeah. Exactly. He does it perfectly. We don't see that enough in MMA anymore. And I feel like I've talked, you know, we talked about jiu-jitsu not working in MMA and you kind of said it there a little bit. But if you have a big advantage, it works great. Like, look at Habib versus Justin Gaethje. He's such an advantage in jiu-jitsu. He made him look like, you know, me uh, grappling Andrew McGahan or something like that. You know, and McKinsey Dern can do that probably against a lot of people. Now, having said that, Tisha Tart is a very good grappler too. And, uh, you know, she's uh, uh, karate stylist or whatever you want to call it. But she can grapple and she can wrestle too. So I don't think it'll be as easy as just taking her down and submitting her. Let me let me say that as well. But, yeah, it's, um, it's one of those. McKinsey, she, looks, she just needs to be a little bit smarter, I think. 
think a little bit little bit wise to the world maybe and, and get the fight to the ground and, and get it there so and that could be said for a lot of people in MMA these days um, so yeah let's talk about the two title fights uh, I want to get your take on Chan Sung Jung because I went back like and I watched some of his fights and I've always been a fan of Chan Sung Jung. I've never, you know, lots of people, I know you are kind of a, uh, a massive, massive fan of Chan Sung Jung. And it's, I should be. Like, he's one of those guys where I should be a massive, massive fan of him. But for whatever reason, I just, I, I never really, I never really was. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. It's, people are going, oh, you don't like Chan Sung I well, love he, him. I he's, he's just brilliant. always an exciting fight. He like, is. You know, for... I uh, what ten years? <laughs> How would you describe his style More. to people that haven't watched him? Like, he hasn't fought that much over the last while. As someone who's yeah. seen him for years, he just goes for it. You know, he's he's a well-rounded fighter. He's maybe not the the best in in anything, but he's he's a very good grappler. He's he's a he's a pretty good striker. He, he you know he he'll pressure you. He'll, he'll try to push you back, but he's willing to he's willing to throw down and you know. Fans love that. Obviously, Dana White loves that. He was a WEC favorite kind of before he even went to the UFC. And, you know, we talked about it a few weeks ago for some reason. Uh, Dana White would wear like the Korean zombie, um, was wearing the Korean zombie T-shirt. And it was kind of like a cult thing. And, you know, even when he was in fights like uh, that he lost with Leonard Garcia, they were just absolute ridiculous back and forth fights. And people just kind of grew to love him through those kind of fights. And when he came to the UFC, he kind of continued, you know, that Dustin Poirier fight where in the fourth round, he got the Doris choke after back and forth war, went in there against Aldo, uh, was doing really well. Like, you know, his shoulder popped out. He's trying to pop it back in like a backpack. He's just a gamer, you know, he's just willing to get in there and go balls to the wall and, you know, he gets knocked out or you get knocked out. And, you know, we saw that with the elbow against Yari Yar- Rodriguez in the last second of the fight. Like, he's he's fighting, he's willing to fight to the last second. He's willing to throw down. And, you know, I don't know why you don't love him. I don't know why anybody wouldn't love him. It's not that I don't love him. It's not, I don't know. I may, and maybe that, look, it's a bind for another podcast. Having a back and watch these fights, and watching it from a very, like, Fighter A versus Fighter B position. I find it very hard to see him beating Volkanovski. Do you like? Do you think he has a big chance against Volkanovski, or do you do you mm, think it'll be no. Volkanovski's fight? Yeah, no, I I don't think he has much of a chance. Like you know, it's MMA. You have a chance, but Volkanovski's just on a different level. Uh, I think he doesn't get anywhere. Near, I think I say this the, the last time or the last few times, but we we, we did Volkanovski previews, but he doesn't get anywhere near the respect he deserves. Uh, like you look at his last five uh, fights. Chad Mendes put him away in the second round. Jose Aldo beat him by decision. Holloway by decision twice. Brian Ortega by decision. These are the, the best guys in the division. The best, some of the best ever in the featherweight division. And even before that, you know, he's he's beaten everybody. His his one loss is what ten years ago to some guy called Corey Nelson. You can just completely write that, that, that off. Well, I believe as well. Yeah, at the start of his career at a completely different weight class. You know, that's just complete write off in my opinion. So this guy deserves more respect than he gets, and he's looked absolutely brilliant in uh, in his recent fights and against really, really upper echelon, top, top, legendary in some cases competition. And you know, Korean Zombies uh, gamer, as I said, he'll come there, put 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 everything on the line. But he's he technically and you know, well roundedness, he just isn't uh, he he just isn't near Volkanovski. But like you know, this is MMA; anything can happen. Korean Zombie can. You know, put it on and put the right combination together and put him away. It could happen, but I, I think it's very unlikely. Do you, do you think Volkanovski isn't appreciated because we find it harder to understand his game? Like, 
some people it, look it's very easy to understand how good well, there Francis isn't these perfect is. like you know gifts we can put out of yeah. oh look how good he is or <laughs> you know what I mean yeah yeah it's more you have to kind of watch him carefully to see how good he is that, and that's that is one of those things that fighters like that who it, it's weird because you see in boxing someone like a Lamachinko and I think He's probably the closest we have to Lamachinko, even though he's way better and hasn't lost the fights like Lamachinko has lost. In no disrespect, he's fighting good guys or whatever. But this, you know, Volkanovski's basically undefeated in the sport. But yeah, we don't admire him in the same way, and I think that is a shame. And I know, you know, you've made that point a couple of times, and we talked about it before on this podcast. But I do think it is a function of him being like almost too good for people to understand how good he is. Um, and he's he's always outsized. He's all like. I don't think he's the strongest fighter in the world. He isn't, uh, uh, you know, he isn't the tallest. He maybe doesn't hit as hard as the other guys. Like against Aldo, he isn't as experienced. Against Holloway, he's not as experienced. Maybe, the, and yet he still goes out and he beats all these guys and he wins against all of these guys. And you know, uh, he, he almost got choked out by uh, by Brian Ortega. He pops back up and he wins the fight there as well. This guy is it's, an it's elite. It's a strange fighter. one though, isn't it? Because like you know, Max Holloway will fight after losing twice to. To Volkanovski and people will be like, "Oh, he's so yeah. good, he's brilliant, he's the best." Blah blah blah. And then Volkanovski will fight, and nobody cares. It's it's strange. It's yeah, it is weird. And uh, I think he's a funny personality, and he's a good guy too, and things. But I don't know. Sometimes people, they just they don't catch the imagination or whatever, and it's it's very very unfortunate. But that's just the way it is. But having said that. I, I think he wins this fight too and I, I think he wins it. Look, he's won four fights in a row now by decision and I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone out here and he's trying to get the finish. I could see him going for a few takedowns as well in this fight and I know in my uh, my previews lately, everyone in the YouTube section over at Shardog and stuff has gone like, why you said everyone's going for takedowns? <laughs> I'm very bad for saying everyone's going for takedowns but I don't know, I just feel like he might throw in a few um, or even that I think on the feed he's an elite fighter as well and I think he'll win it but I do think it'll be a fun fight though because as you said the Korean zombie will bring it he's not a guy who's going to stand out and get just boxed around he will go out and he'll try to knock the head off Volkanovski and if he can't he can't but I think uh, that makes for a, a fun fight in a, in a very very good battle um, let's talk about Aljamain Sterling versus Pedrian obviously we saw about three and a half rounds of that before whatever it was I went back and I watched it the other day and look it was a very interesting watch <laughs> obviously you know Aljamain Sterling's acting at the end of it was was ridiculous I haven't got I, I can't remember what I said at the time but I was uh, I was bullshitting if I said he wasn't acting at the time anyway because the, it was terrible they, they acted oh my god and I'm, I'm sure he was hurt and I mean look maybe it should have been stopped uh, after like 30 seconds and maybe he had to do it because he realised what had happened but he was you know he was definitely hamming it up like fucking Mike Jackson against uh, against Kiefer Crosby that time he go out in the well, neck the, press the, that, the, if I remember correctly the, the tide had badly turned against him and it, it, was, had, yeah. it was his, his <laughs> way out and he took it he took it yeah, with both hands won the championship congratulations um, but yeah look that fight it, it was an interesting one because um, I almost called him Jackson there and my Mike Jackson on the brain now it's a different Mike Jackson than the CM Punk Mike Jackson um, I um, so Sterling was winning that fight for the first, like, two and a half minutes, but, like, winning it in a way where, okay, he's winning, he's winning, he's winning, Jan lands one shot, and it's like, oh, shit, is he actually winning? Kind of a job. Like, there's the oh, big is, problem. Is it one shot, and now he's not winning anymore. Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. No, that's the big problem for Sterling, because his game plan almost has to be a perfect one to win this fight, I think. And it, almost, it also has to be one where you expend so much more energy than your opponent 
to land so many shots that might not even matter because he hits so much harder than you. That is, that it's an impossible game plan, right, to put out against someone as good as Peter Yan. But it's also a very, very downhearting game plan, if you get me. Because you do it for two, three rounds, and it goes well, and then your opponent starts landing a few big shots, and you're like, oh, shit. Or or even, you know, you do it for four minutes of one round, he lands two or three massive shots, and you're thinking, oh, if you understand the criteria and all of that, you're, you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, oh, this is going to be an issue, or he hurts you very badly after you're dominating the fight. I, like, I don't think that Sterling can hurt Yan in the way that Yan can hurt Sterling. Look, Sterling can knock him out, or he can land that big knee like he did against uh, Marlon Moraes or whatever. Or was it Marlon Moraes landed knee on him? No, it was the other way around. Yeah, um, Moraes landed knee yeah, on him. You know what I mean? And I've, I feel like I've made that mistake somewhere it's, before. Uh, the Sandhagen one, you're probably thinking of Sand where he Hagen. came out like a house on fire and exactly. I think he like, needs destroyed to do him on the feet and rear naked choked him. That's yeah. what I think he needs to do. I think... I think the best thing that Sterling should do here is go for the finish early. Like... Go balls to the wall early. Try to get him to the ground. Now, we've seen how difficult that is against Magomed Magomedov for 10 rounds. You know, Peter Yan's uh, uh, grappling ability is fantastic. Do, do, do you not think he did try that uh, the uh, first time? Yeah. I think he tried to put a five-round, unbelievably high-paced game plan on him to win while, you know, obviously looking for the finish throughout it. But I don't think I don't think that's a winnable fight for him. I honestly no, maybe I'm wrong. And look, these high level fights usually do go to decision, especially if it's a rematch. So you know, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like if it does go to a decision and it is one of those high level fights, Peter Yan will win that fight because of his ability to hit harder. Like I just think he he does. Like, do you think it's a winnable fight over five rounds for Sterling? Uh, like I do think if it was over three rounds, it'd be a lot more winnable for him. Uh, but. I do agree that he's going to have to do a lot more ground and pound wise than um, than he did in the the successful parts of the first fight with Jan. But in doing that, you give space to Jan, and he's a very hard man to, to hold down if you do get him down. And once once he is up, I do think his punches are they they did seem to cause serious damage the first time. They disturbing. They they seem to slow him down and. I do. I I I see the rounds being close with maybe Yan winning them razor close in the first couple, and then as as the fight goes on, I see Yan taking over and dominating the last three rounds, or getting a, another or not another, but a a TKO in the, oh, yeah, in the you, later rounds. Gonna knock out the last time, all right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. sorry, yeah. gotta get that right. I I agree with you. Though. I think it's I think it's gonna go the exact same way. But I'm interested to see what. Uh, what both guys are going to do differently, especially what Sterling is going to do differently. Like, it's it's a very interesting fight and a very interesting matchup. Again, I I pick Sterling. If you can get on his back early, you know. Yeah. yeah, there definitely there definitely is ways for Sterling to win here, but I wouldn't be too confident. Jujitsu, he's jujitsu is very very good. If he can if he can turn it into a jujitsu matchup, he could. Uh, and it's early and dry, and he gets that back. He could. Uh, he could be look just uh, you know start pulling guard. You know, start do that. Start pulling guard. Go, you know, go Mr. for your sweet. Mr. doesn't work uh, to now pulling I'm, guard in I, title I, fights. Which <laughs> the championship pull guard in his title fight. <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. Andrew McGann won his match today, so Jiu-Jitsu is back. We need to <laughs> put the clips of you ranting about it. Jiu-Jitsu doesn't work. Next it is. <laughs> the most high-level fight in UFC history. Ah, pull guard. That's... <laughs> That's the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Grand Fulgard. Uh, jiu is coming. I'm sure Gary Tonin brought Jiu-Jitsu back there a few weeks ago. Remember that? Uh, fair play to him. Fair play to him. Well done. But uh, yeah, so a massive card next week. 
Bellator I can't believe Bellator put no card on this weekend again they're doing this again god almighty Bellator no <laughs> we can just talk about the same we just played a clip from the last <laughs> 20 times <laughs> they were giving out to me as well about saying oh we, you know, we already did the pre-booked one like fuck off it's like, like a Friday night as well there's Wrestlemania okay Saturday fair enough you don't want to clash with that or whatever but a Friday night there was nothing on Friday night okay Cage Warriors is on but it's not going to clash with that but, oh come on come on Bellator let's Let's get well, a bit of is over what time? 11 o'clock, half 10. Bear yeah. cash you know one or two I mean? fights, but not much. Yeah. Yeah. It makes no difference. So. Those prelims of like a 2 and 0 guy versus a 1 and 1 guy, nobody really cares anyway. Yeah. Hold on, you know, Sh- Shawnee Bellator. I'm previewing all the Bellator guards now. I care. <laughs> Shawnee uh, Bellator. That's what they're calling it. That, that's what the word in the street that they're calling me now. Shawnee Bellator. Shawnee prelims. They're <laughs> calling me that. Uh, I, lo- I love, the, like, I feel Shiny like post limbs. A I feel like my knowledge of MMA has gone up massively in the last few months again, just because I have been actually looking at the prelims and things. I'm like, I was just stopped concentrating on them for years, but now I have to look at them again because of Sherlock. And uh, I kind of, I kind of like it. To be honest, I, feel, I have a. Uh, you know, I'm back to like the old ways of knowing all. Do you remember? I remember we were above at the UFC Dublin, and there was like a quiz on or something, and the lads were like asking questions from the quiz that were impossible. And I remember like, "What are you talking about? They're like really easy questions." I feel like today, I wouldn't be able to answer answer those questions as easy anymore. But I don't know. Oh, it's way harder now. Yeah. There's, there's a hundred times more fights, and it's just impossible now. Too much stuff, but I'm coming back. I'm getting back, getting back to it. Right, let's talk about Cage Warriors, Graham. Um. I, do you know what? We'll we'll start backwards here. I'm gonna. I want to talk about Cage Warriors one three six first because we've just watched that tonight, and what an insane card it was. Yeah. Uh, fucking hell. Every single fight ended inside the distance. Uh, Michael Trumko, who's a an a northern prospect out of uh, out of Newcastle. Uh, who, um, if anyone listens to any of the podcasts we did with Jake, he has called him one, one, you know, one of the one of the guys you should be watching out for. He got a first round ground and pound TKO. Chasin Blair uh, beat uh, Ricky Moore in the first round as well. Jay Hanegas beat Kieran Lister. I think that was a bit of um, uh, a bit of a shock in that one. He got that, yeah. finished him in, in the third round there. Uh, Dylan Hazan looked good as well. This guy's a top prospect. I think what is what's Dylan Hazan now? Eight and Graham, I think he is in his career now. This guy is is a real real top prospect coming through and he looked very good there look I was reading out these results I got to Manny Akban and we're going to have to stop at Manny Akban because <laughs> this guy is something special I no, he look he's one of those guys he got taken down he got beaten in the first couple of rounds uh, or most of them anyway but 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 Knockout of the year. It's it has to be up there with a contender. Oh my god! If people haven't seen it, it was like a spinning capoeira kick that hit like the inside the guard of his opponent that knocked him out, like hit him in the ear, and he just face planted. And the referee let him get in a few shots. Some chin on Connor Hitchens, to be fair, to keep going after that. But one of the one of the best KOs I've ever seen. Honestly, it was brilliant. And Manny Akpan. We, I probably mentioned it last week I mentioned it in the previews and stuff this guy has that in his locker this is the sort of fighter he is he's so exciting and if he can put a little bit more takedown defense with a little bit more wrestling 
this guy is an elite fighter and someone we could we could be talking about in years to come as, as a top top prospect in the world and I, I truly believe that if he can make those improvements if he can't look he'll just be another guy in the regional scene unfortunately but with that that ability god almighty he's so good what, what do you think of that knockout am, am I overplaying yeah, it too much yeah. well the knockout was absolutely fantastic you know it's, it's, I don't know what kind of kick, some kind of capoeira wheel kick is, I don't know exactly what it was but it was absolutely perfect but you know in terms of how far he can go it's really hard to know you know his last fight was what eight seven eight months ago when he he lost by arm triangle choke in the first round in cage warriors so there's definitely work to do there but as you said there's a, definitely a load of potential there um he, he beat jack mcguire in his pro debut that that's a that's a very good win he beat lee malloy you know a, a guy who who um he won tonight just, Got just a fought and looked really good tonight yeah. you know uh against ben reese so it's early days for these guys, but there's definitely loads of potential there. And we've seen it before where these guys can build on the potential and close holes in their games and become really well-rounded and really dangerous, uh, really kind of top prospects. And we've seen before where guys will go in and just not be able to close holes in their games and there's a blueprint there to beat them and they, and they can't stop it. So... You know, people will be very wary of him now on the feet after seeing that. You know that that that's uh, that kind of knockout goes goes viral, and you know it'll be on all the the highlight reels, and people will be well aware of his striking prowess. So there'll be even more emphasis uh, from his future opponents and trying to get him to the ground and get away from becoming highlight reeled. So you know we'll we'll really see what he's made of in his next few fights. But uh, yeah, there's definitely a lot of potential there in terms of the striking. Anyway, maniac Ben officially 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 on team sheehan so welcome there's, there must be like 48 <laughs> fighters on team sheehan at this stage. welcome manny akpan john i want to see i want to see ryan shelley versus manny akpan next shelley's four and oh fighting at 145 pounds manny akpan what four and one now come on ian dean let's let's do oh what a fight that'd be oh my god we'll talk more about ryan shelley in a second but um We'll run through the rest of this card because there was so many KOs and stuff. Uh, Alexei Mantikivi knocked out uh, Janderson Castro, who put on a fantastic display in the first round. You know, that was a close round. He landed a lot of shots there, um, training out of Dublin now as well. So good to see him doing well. But Mantikivi, I think Brad Warren. He's been over, he's been yeah. for years. I think he might have even fought on cage, cage contenders. Yeah, did he, I was or? looking at his record there. Yeah, he's fought a lot of yeah. yeah, Yeah, he's been around for a long time. And he was looking good in the first round, as you said. But, uh, yeah, it didn't. It didn't turn out too well in the end. He's he's always t- taken on the really tough guys. You know, he's lost to Pedro Carvalho, Sam Slater, Andreas Binder. You know, he's 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 a guy who will take on on all comers. And when you do that, you know, they can end like this. And unfortunately for him, it it, it ended like this. Yeah, he got caught with a big shot, and then was like a standing target. Not defending himself, got it's hit with a massive. Flew out as well, I believe. Did yeah, it? that's yeah. what Brad Wharton said on the commentary. And Jesus Christ. I hope I hope it didn't, to be honest. But it looked like it, it looked like it did, and it seemed uh, like the commentary was saying that as well. So, uh, a massive, massive KO. And look, Mentekivi, very good as well. You know, he lost to Reese McKee recently, so that's a big comeback win for him there as well. And he puts him, you know, back in touch in the top of that division where, uh, you know, where there's no uh, no champion at the moment, and where they're looking for. Um, well, that, this fight was at 165. So I, mean, I don't know, has he gone down or is he going to be at uh, one one uh, one uh, seventy going forward? But you know. Yeah, if, if, you're, if you're giving out that crypto wallet they're shouting on about the yeah. whole time, like, uh, Jesus Christ, you have some decision to make yeah. after all I, I, these fights. I, 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 I'd have to give it to Manny Akpan. Like, you'd have to give it to Manny Akpan. 
that's one of the greatest kills I've ever seen. Like the the yeah. give you one was brilliant as well. To be fair, there's a lot of them. Yeah, there is a lot of them. There's, I actually missed the Miss Stanton fight. Did you see that it was a front kick ground and pound? It says here. Um, front kick ground and pound. Yeah. No, I'm I, what? I, I'm looking at MMA. Where am I looking at? MMA soccer dot com. Got a bit of ground and pound, did he? Mick Stanton. I was uh, watching the fight, but I, I might have got distracted. I, I can't remember how the fight ended. To be I was cooking fish and chips. I was like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a, it was, it was a bit of a breakneck pace, and that fight was a bit of a slowdown one. But yeah, yeah I'm trying to remember. I literally can't remember, even though I just uh, watched right. it a couple we'll, hours ago. We'll report it next week. That that happens to me a lot. I have to keep notes now. I'll forget everything. Uh, Luke Riley, Jack Elgin. This look. Oh, the records of these two lads I think both of them are only two or three fights into their career I don't think I've I've ever seen a fight this high level of someone uh, two people so young in their career this was a fantastic fight Elgin I thought Elgin was going to finish him early he was landing shot after shot after shot but as Paddy Pimblett says Scousers uh, don't get knocked out and Luke Riley kind of showed that to be uh, to be true he kept walking through it landing his own shots as well but the pressure was just too much uh, in the end and he landed too many shots and was able to to get the finish uh, he hurt him late in round two and I think that kind of turned it um, he got an, sorry he got knocked out early in round two and then hurt him late in round two as well um but oh, jesus it was it was a great fight really really impressed with riley and you know he's a guy we definitely have to be keeping an eye on uh going forward um reese mckeown against sam spencer and that was the latest finish i think probably on the card in the last 30 seconds mckeown took him down and dominated the first round spencer came back after a long time out of the cage and was winning the second round landing some good shots but mckeown got the takedown again in the third round Daniel Strauss's commentary at the end of this fight was unbelievable. He was saying he needs to move to the back. He needs to go for the finish. He needs to get, and he did exactly what he was saying in commentary, and it was it was absolutely brilliant. I love the way the cage warriors commentators just leave each other commentate as well. You know, there's no interrupting, there's no bollocks, and there's no uh, joke. And if he's commentating on something and he's in a flow, just let him at it. And kind of, you know, they let Daniel Strauss do the stuff on the ground. They let Dan Hardy do the stuff when it's standing up, and it works so well. It's just, it's so good, and this was. If if you don't watch any Cage Warriors, go back and watch the last minute of McEwen versus Spencer and just listen to Dan Strauss's commentary and the the way the fight finished. It was it was beautiful, like it was brilliant. It was lovely stuff. Uh, but would you not prefer if Daniel Cormier was telling you how Joe, he would fight Joe, the fight, Joe, how he would fight the fight Joe, if he was Joe, fighting? Joe, Joe, <laughs> Ross McEwen, he has his back here, but I had a beautiful beautiful pickle salad this week here in New Orleans it was, it was the nicest pickle salad Joe Joe you should have you should have been and then Joe <laughs> Joe Joe fuck prick anyway well, <laughs> I'm, okay I'm, we can talk about this later when you've calmed down John <laughs> I, I got called out this week. Who said it? Oh, it was, uh, it was my guy, Blake Harrison. He was like, I called Daniel Cormier the biggest idiot in America. And I forgot yeah. I said that. <laughs> he was like, have you ever been in America? I'm like, okay, yeah, fair enough, to be fair. But uh, yeah, poor Daniel. I'm sure he's a lovely guy. Anyway, oh, God. Adam Cullen, uh, 14-second KO. This card was just yeah, insanity. Uh, what more can you say? Just landing a big shot and... Where am I? I'm going to have to go to my notes here because I forget what happened. Cullen left hook, left hook KO. Oh, that was a beautiful shot, actually. Absolutely beautiful KO. Uh, Aaron Aby, what a performance from Aby here. A big underdog against uh, Gerardo Fanny. Uh, he got on top of Fanny and he pounded that Fanny. Pounded him. Uh, <laughs> and he ended up, he ended up getting the, uh, the rear naked Jesus joke Christ. in round, in, in round in round three uh have any notes of that 
No, I just said AB dominated, which he really did. Fantastic performance from him. Very, very good. And in the, in the title fight, in the, the main event, uh, Jatty Milan defeated, or got defeated even by Christian Neroy Duncan uh, in a, a wonderful f- performance, a smart performance by Christian Neroy Duncan. Milan got on top in the first round. Duncan said, very safe. Let Milan kind of tire himself out as the commentator is very well. Didn't do anything, described. yeah. Did nothing. He was on those rounds. If the fighter got back to the feet and Leroy, uh, Christian Neroy Duncan had landed one shot, I think he would have won it because Milan landed sweet fuck all. Yeah, even if he had got a couple of crisp elbows or something in yeah. there from the bottom, he probably would have stolen it as well. All Milan won in that round was a bit of tiredness. And you could see it in the second round. Uh, very smart from Christian Leroy Duncan as well. And it's some. It's the point you always make he tried to take down at the start of the second round and it got Milan thinking about it and also got Milan on the back foot not looking for his own t- takedowns and then we had the most bizarre thing of all time with the contact lens like fell out yeah. from Johnny Milan yeah. in the middle of the fight Mark Goddard's like you're not supposed but to the have the contact between rounds in the first round the second yeah. round the whole the whole time they were just trying Fixing to get the contact, contact. yeah there was no strategy was, no it's a world like not a quote world title fight you know what I mean? <laughs> They're worried about these fucking stupid contact lenses that you're not supposed to have anyway. It felt like he's fought half round with one contact lens in, which I, I don't wear contact lenses, but I assume that is, like, unbelievably tough to do where you have two different fucking sights out of each eye. Like, that must be so hard <laughs> hard for him to do. Yeah. And then, but like, didn't, he, didn't God say to him you're not supposed to have them anyway I when he was... so, yeah. Yeah. Not to the commentator. I, commenta- I, I don't know what that rule yeah. is. I'd love to know that rule. Maybe I'll ask someone and reach out. It sounds um, dangerous for the fighter to have... Like yeah. a contact lens in their eye while they're being punched or potentially I, poked. I remember we used to play indoor soccer before myself, Patrick, and uh, he got hit in the uh, in the head with a ball once, and his contact lens broke. Was it Patrick? Was it one of the, someone? Did I, I think it was Patrick? Yeah, and his uh, contact lens got broke, and he did fucking go to the hospital and everything, and like get one of those things to like open up your eye and the doctor to take it out. Like that's very dangerous in a fight. They definitely shouldn't be wearing contact lenses like that. I think that's awful. But anyway, yeah, I don't really know much about contact lenses, but it just sounds like yeah, it sounded from what Goddard said and the commentator said that you're not supposed to have it in his corner. We're kind of surrounding and blocking off the view which is always kind of suspicious <laughs> as well Fair blood, but, smart uh, the same you know way. when you're when you're you're distracted with a contact lens when you're you're not really game planning you're not really adjusting it just seemed all a bit amateurish amateurish yeah and he was caught as well or, or like his nose is bleeding and um you know they should have been cleaning that up in between that round and they just didn't and then he went out and he got finished with a beautiful flying knee 40, uh, what is it, 48 seconds into round three. Like, um, Christian Leroy Duncan, he was smart. He was he had a more sophisticated game plan than uh, than Johnny Milan. He took his time and he did exactly what he needed. You know, he threw that, that crescent kick or whatever you'd call it, uh, the axe kick, um, just missed it and then came in. Do you know what I love about this flying knee? The flying knee was actually off target and he switched it in the air. If you go back and watch it or watch it maybe even slow motion, it's like going to hit the shoulder and he turns it in the air and it hits him directly on the chin. Because I looked oh, at the I first... Missed that, I missed it's, that, it's, yeah. actually, it's funny, if you even pull it up on your phone maybe and see it, it's, it's absolutely class. You can see it from the back the kind of the backside because I looked at the first I was like that is his that is his fucking shoulder like what this is weird he must have been tired or whatever and then they showed like the angle from the back where he kind of moves his left leg inwards and turns the knee in the air and hits him with it unbelievable high level stuff like I, I, I've i rated Christian Leroy Duncan I rate Jerry Milan a lot as well I picked Jerry Milan to, to win this fight uh, he was plus 200 and I thought his wrestling would be enough but Christian Leroy Duncan proved an awful lot in this fight and in that middleweight division 
That's not the best division in the world. Uh, what is he now? Eight, is it eight? No, he is. Let me just uh, check his record here. Uh, no, six and no. Sorry, he's man, only, man yeah. was no coming in. I, like I think he's ready for the UFC. Honestly, I think he's ready for the UFC right now, and I think he'll cause problems to a lot of guys in the UFC. Although, he could be ready for the UFC now, but I think he doesn't. He shouldn't go to the UFC now. Do you think he so? should continue. He should continue in cage warriors. You know, he just won the belt. Maybe two, three defenses there. You know, there's no rush. He's he's 26. He's early in his career. You know, he has an extensive amateur career. As as uh, as I talk about, that's always that stands to you really, really well as you turn pro. But is there any real rush to get in there? You know, can he hone his skills? Can he not be taken down as easily as he was? Maybe you know, if he gets taken down by somebody with really good top uh, control and grappling and ground and pound, will it be a different story? You know, it's better just um, develop your game for a couple more fights in cage wars. I reckon. I would love to see him fight Natalia Frederick. I would love to see that. No, Natalia Frederick has been doing. He hadn't been around for a while, but if they could put that fight together, that would be uh, that'd be a massive fight. Let's hope to do that. But what a performance! Great performance altogether by uh, by Christian Neri Duncan, the new the new champion at middleweight in Cage Warriors. Uh, let's talk about Cage Warriors one three five. Um, another another really good card. When I was watching it, I was like, "Oh Jesus, it can't get much better than this." But uh, it, it did, it did indeed. Um, I'll we'll, we'll group all the Irish fighters in a second. Just let me read out some of the results here. Andrew Sanchez defeated Conor Wilson uh, thirty seconds into uh, round one with uh, Matthew Byfield. Uh, the Gallon fight was ruled a no contest uh, due to the grind strike. That one was a bit weird. Uh, Federico Pasquale beat Paul McBain. O'Neill Brown got a really good KO against uh, Dan Hepworth. Uh, Liam Gittins got a win as well over uh, Edward Walls by a unanimous decision. I did, uh, as did Giuseppe Ruggieri over Dean Truman. Um, uh, Milan Addy as well got a good win, uh, dominated uh, Antonio Sheldon, and Matt Bonner got the rear naked choke against uh, Hugo Pereira. We'll talk about the main event in a second, but the, uh, no, let's talk about that now, and then we'll, we'll get to the Irish guys. Um, Justin Merlin and Daniel Skibinski, this was another very, very good fight. Um... It, look, Burlington, I thought, was struggling a bit early. You know, Skibinski was landing the shots. He hurt him. Uh, uh, <laughs> I hurt him a couple of times throughout it. Um, but the kind of the, the longer the fight went, Burlington kind of got into it. He started landing his shots. Um, I think Skibinski got a little bit tired. You know, going in. You know, it was it was towards the end of the when was it the second round he got the finish. Second round, uh, yeah. and it you know to get a team joke. It was one of those fights where uh, any reservations you had about Burlington were probably taken away by this fight a little bit because it was a top-level opponent, a guy who came out and performed really well, put it on him, put him on the back foot and made him come back and still win the fight. And I think if you're Justin Burlington at this stage of your career, having just lost the fight to get into the UFC and the Dana White Contender Series, this is the start of matchup you needed. Like, look at Reese McKee coming in, coming back, fighting uh, Mantikivi. Um... And, you know, maybe Reese McKee can fight Justin Burlington for the title next. I think that would make a lot of sense as well. But a, a wonderful performance here. A great comeback from Justin Burlington. I think he proved an awful lot. Were you, were you as impressed with his performance as I was? Yeah, it's great to see him overcome adversity. You know, uh, it's an experienced guy, a guy who's beaten some some good guys. And it looked like it, uh, it, was, going, it was going against uh, 
Burlington, as you mentioned in the, in, the, in the first round, it wasn't anything you know completely dominant, but he was eating shots and it did look like uh, he didn't really have the answers, but he, he made adjustments and you know, got the finish and he, it's kind of the, the perfect result, as you said, the perfect time in his career. He's seven and one. He needs these fights. You know, these guys need these experiences early on in their career. They need to, you know, have their, have things to go back and work on, have things pointed out to them or exposed in, in fights for them to go back and work on. And, you know, as you mentioned, there's some really good fights for him in, in cage wires and, yeah, I think I think he's really is one to watch. You know, the, people can write you off. Oh, he he didn't make it in UFC contender series or whatever. But we've seen so many guys uh, have way more losses, way more devastating or embarrassing or whatever losses or uh, one sided losses uh, in their careers and come back. And uh, MMA is not like boxing in that way, where you know there's a couple of losses and you're finished. Uh, uh, that's been proven time and time again, and it got, even for a guy like uh, Skubinski, you know, seven losses on his record now, but he's still a really dangerous guy. He can cause a lot of trouble for a lot of guys, and you know himself even could end up in the UFC one day. So uh, I like, yeah, I think he, I it's a good win over. Uh, I think that'd be a good. Yeah, fight. it's a, it's a good win uh, overcoming adversity against a good guy, and uh, yeah, it's a it's definitely um, he's definitely one to watch. Indeed, one hundred percent. Right, Let, let's talk about the Irish guys. Um, it, do you know what? It'd be easiest for us, to, I suppose, to talk about Adam Shelley and uh, Ryan Shelley together, seen as their brothers, and they train in the same gym, and they have a similar sort of background coming from the, the Taekwondo uh, realm. Yeah, but they're probably sick of that shit, They're they? probably <laughs> sick of it, but I'm going to do it anyway, <laughs> because, and not in maybe the way you'd think. I, what I was really impressed with, with both of these guys, is they were able to fight in, like, an anti-fighting uh, game plan based on what the opposition are, were going to do. And I'm, what I mean by that is, okay, you, you have the reputation. You're these massive strikers who want to go out there and land shots. What's your opponent going to do against you? He's going to push you against the cage, try to take you down. They showed very good takedown defense, but also the ability to, to attack from those positions, whether it's against the cage, you know, the ability to get an overhook, land on top. Like, what I love, I, I think it was the, the Ryan Shelley fight. Now, excuse me, excuse me if I'm mistaken. But he got like the overhook at one stage and he just stepped over and kind of took the mount or to maybe it was maybe his half guard or something like that. That is brilliant. Like like when you know you're going to be put in those positions or someone's going to attempt to put in do- you in those positions, what you should be doing and, you know, Tom King, Chris Fields, Carl Pendred, Ashling Daly, whoever else is in the gym teaching him these things has schooled these guys unbelievably well because they're doing the exact things they should do in that position. And you know what? They have three, four, five, six fights, and their opponents in two years' time are going to be looking at this and go, "Well, if I put this guy against the cage, he's unbelievable takedown defense, and he's getting on top, and now he's very good ground bound, he's good on top. Well, should I be doing that?" And next thing, they're back to striking against lads. So it's uh, that's the thing that stood out for me with both of them. Look, you could easily look at them and say, "Oh, they landed big strikes, and you know the the finishes they got were were big things." That for me was something that really, really struck out, stuck out. They look like well schooled, well schooled, well organized fighters, and you know. I'm sure having a lad like Carl Pindred in the gym who his game plan was to fight against fighters like this, you know, push him against the cage, pull him down, you know, be that fucking nightmare. Having someone like that, you know, training with you or, or you know, teaching you those positions that to anti-fight that must be so handy. Um, and they're very, very good at it. What were you impressed with the two lads? 
Yeah, very impressive. Yeah, as you mentioned, and Chris Fields mentioned uh, on the old triangle interview we did uh, with the lads uh, on the podcast. He he said about uh, tape study and things like that, and about how they're very detailed about getting into their what their opponents do and what their opponents like to do, and they don't like Chris doesn't like when there's it's hard to find a uh, tape on opponents and things like that on the internet, or it's hard to find out about their styles. It kind of makes them uneasy and. You know, uh, it seems to really work for the for these for his guys and for his team, as you said. They seemed well schooled on everything that was going to happen. They seemed one step ahead, both both of them. I know we're talking about them as, as if they're the same person again here, but the uh, uh, twins or something here. But um, you know, both guys uh, looked like they were a step ahead the whole way against their opponents. And you know, Hooper is a ten fight uh, ten fight veteran against uh, Shelley's third fight and. Uh, Ryan's Ryan's fighting a less experienced guy, but you know similar experience to him, and he, they they look streets ahead of their opponents in terms of development and um, where where they are in their careers, even though they're at similar stages or behind in terms of uh, experience uh, pro level. Talking about being streets ahead of your opponent, I think James Sheehan was that against Karen Michalak, and I'm, I, was, yeah. I watched a bit of Michalak, and he this guy's a good fighter, and James Sheehan made mince meat of him. Like people are, look, we always knew James Sheehan was a good fighter, but I think people are going to have to kind of reestablish where he is in that division. He's one of those guys that's rising through that division. It's going to be a problem. Like his only two losses are to Ian Gary and Matt Bonner, two former champions in cage wars. One lad who you know we talked about earlier fighting in the UFC this weekend, and Matt Bonner got a win on this card as well. Uh, the the other night this guy is really really good and it's a great time for team rhino as well you know the uh, miles price is fighting in pfl coming up team barry is fighting the pfl i know paul redmond was doing some pajama fighting there a couple of weeks ago i even saw neil siri was in the gym the other day but you know the abbott bissets and all of that doing great work as well it's a it's a massive time for that gym and andy ryan is doing great stuff again a legend of irish mma and it's great to see uh you know the, the lads doing well and james sheen here just phenomenal. That that left hook and then the uppercut after it. What a shot. What power. A beautiful, beautiful shot. Michelak's not an easy guy to get out of there by any means. And James Sheen made light work. Very, were you impressed uh, as I was, Graham? Very, very good uh, performance by him. Yeah, we talked about it before. We talked about it, like, I think before every James, James Sheehan fight that, you know, the, the the losses he have are at the start of his career were against really tough guys. Like making your pro debut against Matthew Bonner and your, your third ever fight against Ian Gary. In cage warriors is very difficult. Uh, you know, obviously, <laughs> I seem to be saying it for for all the guys coming through these days. But he, he has some really good wins at amateur as well. You know, his amateur debut is against Kieran Clark, Marcin Dembella. He beaten there. Uh, you know, he's fighting really good guys, and it, it really stands to him. You know, he's kind of maybe people tend to know know of him as a bit of a grinder, or a bit of a wrestler in your face kind of make it dirty but he like he's shown again that he has more than that to his game that he has crisp striking and that he can put people away with his strikes and you know he's 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 got a knockout there a couple of fights ago he had a rear naked choke uh, his first pro win was a rear naked choke as well so he's he's shown again that he's well-rounded i think people look at the record before before his last couple of wins and say ah, he's one and two or he's two and two he may not be the best prospect uh, to, to look out for but now you know now he's four and two he's he's put on two really good displays in a row or three really good displays in a row uh, uh, on cage wires and even the Ian Gary decision in his cage wires uh, cage wires 101 was uh, was no disgrace at all like you know going to a decision with Ian Gary in your third ever fight is is you know is 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 no uh, no mean feat, so uh, yeah, I think I think he's definitely um, 
flying under the radar a bit. He he's shown that uh, he has more to his game than maybe he's given credit for. Yeah, the nickname as well, Jim Boss Lice. I li- I like it. Like yeah, I- it seemed to be getting a bit of traction <laughs> on uh, social media. Yeah, I like people it. seem to be buying into it. Uh, look, I, I I'm. I'm all for the James no Sheehan no, sorry no relation Sheehan James no relation Sheehan that, that'd that be a great nickname like to be honest I think more or people could just go James Sean Sheehan James, no no I couldn't yeah, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah but a uh, very good performance a really really good performance for him and uh, Cale and Lochran as well I'm very I was very impressed with Cale and Lochran uh, do you know what I love Cale and Lochran's style because it's a style that I'm not sure is going to work long term. His striking style, but god damn it, it's fucking exciting, and I love to watch it. And it look usually a lot of fighters these days, they're especially at the lower weight classes, they're movement based fighters. They're variation. They're going everywhere. It's all about footwork. It's all about speed and everything. Caelan Lochran stands in the middle of the fucking cage, puts his hands out and he says, come on, let's fucking fight. And that's exactly what he does. You know, he, he swings for the fences. Just swings, <laughs> yeah. swings for the fences. But it's, it's mad. I, I, I haven't seen a style like that in a long time. Dan, obviously he's, he's not just that. He's a very, very good wrestler, strong on top. This guy's as strong as a fucking ox. Um, and you know, put on a good performance. Ended up getting the uh, the TKO in, in the midway point of the second round there. But I was very impressed. Obviously, you know when you have the record he has with you know lads like Street and the record and all of that, people are going to ask questions. But now he's in cage wires, and okay, the guy he fought was was one and zero in his career, so not the the biggest opponent in the world. But we know if you're matching, uh, if you're getting matched by Ian Dean you're no bum, you're no restreet, you're no whatever it is. So that's a good win. We can count that as a win. Let's see what he does next. But I'm very impressed by Caelan Knocker. I thought that was a very good performance for him and I'm looking forward to seeing uh, to seeing where he goes next and see what he does. He's fighting out of Team Caban as well, obviously, over in Liverpool with uh, with Darren Till and all those good guys, Tom Aspen and more. So, um, yeah, and the guy he beat, you know, had won seven or eight in a row there, including amateur, you know, since uh, he had a bit of a dodgy start to his amateur career. But since then, it turned it around and, and won uh, all the remaining fights in his amateur career and won his uh, pro debut against Jack Clark by finishing the first round so you know uh, Lockham went out there and made it look easy you know maybe maybe uh, he'll run into he'll definitely run into more difficult guys as, as he goes but he's shown he's shown that he can you know he can stand there and bang he's willing to trade he's got big power he's, he's uh, strong he can wrestle he can grapple so yeah um, yeah fighting re street people like that I don't know I don't know what the what the motive or what the thinking behind that was, but yeah, forget about that and <laughs> uh, move on to the future, and the future looks bright for him. Indeed, hundred um, percent. So yeah, I think I think we leave it there. I think we we touch on everything from last week, and looking forward to next week as well. Not much news in the world of mixed martial arts this there was week. A bit of, there was a bit of football going on there, a bit of soccer going no, on. No, no, we, we leave that. Uh, we leave. Well, actually, <laughs> what, what do you think of uh, what do you think of the whole Masvidal Colby Covington situation? Masvidal hitting him. Oh up yeah, um, a beef restaurant, I believe. Yeah, it's a bit. Uh, it's a bit. Yeah, I don't know. You just had a fight with him, and you couldn't you couldn't put a hand on him really, and then and stuff, you're yeah. going up sucker punching him. It's not it's not a good look, really, is it? Uh, yeah, not no, it's not really. Yeah, uh, that's that's the weirdest thing about it. Like you had the opportunity to do it legally, and okay, you know, Colby talks shit about his family and everything like that. But you're signing up to co- to fight fucking Colby Covington, like ah, uh, well, like yeah, you, you Colby Covington <laughs> talks shit about expect- everything, like exactly. you know, jeez. Uh, that doesn't make what Colby's saying right or anything like that either. But like you're just but he's trying to thing. annoy you, exactly. like he's doing everything he can Proving to try and annoy you, and you're just like showing him that you're annoying, that he's annoying. That he's annoying. Exactly, yeah, so. Anyway, we will uh, we will leave it at that. Um, open scoring, Graham. Fire against. 
Four against what? Open scoring. Open sc- <sighs> against. Again. Oh, yeah, very good. Actually, before we go... I used to think I'd be a four, but then I just think, yeah. you know, uh, there'd just be so much stalling. It would just... Uh, some fighters in particular, I think, would just basically try to ride out the round or just... You know, sometimes where you see it like 20 seconds ago or 10 seconds ago when the clapper's gone and a guy just kind of circles away with his hands in the air, yeah. We'd probably be getting a lot more of that kind of Fun. shit going on and just ruin. And like if, if it's a title fight and the guy's three rounds up and there's two rounds to go and the other guy doesn't want to fight, it'd just be like, oh, Jesus. Yeah, I, I actually, that isn't much of a, um, a discussion point that I use when I'm talking about open scoring. I'm more about, like, I think open scoring definitely would make judging worse and that's going to make things way worse for the fighters. Like, the whole thing about open scoring be people wanting it their whole argument is the fighters should know the score which you know grand no problem have that argument even though there's many other sports where the fighters know the score including mma if you had open scoring for all but two seconds of the fight but no one seems to have any uh brain on them and doesn't think about that but um i it's it's going to harm the fighters if we have worse decisions because of open scoring so yeah it's, it's ridiculous also but why um, would the decisions be worse decisions would be worse because the amount like Matt Brown last week right uh, against um, against Brian Barberina the fight ended the decision was read out and the whole crowd went insane roaring and shouting and putting you know just going insane imagine if that was read out and there was two more rounds in that fight and the whole crowd is going insane do you not think that could distract the judge especially in a place like that where there was a couple of judges who were not as experienced as the, the likes of Sal Diamato or Chris Lee or Abin Cartledge or whoever it might be uh, on that car do you think that wouldn't have... uh, the judges are that weak like come yeah, on but like, yeah. we, we live in a world where we don't have loads and loads and loads of top level judges we don't have to and also like you know uh, Capoza made the point now and I, I did a I did all the way. I hundred percent agree with it. But look what happened to Glory a couple of weeks ago. The big riot and everything like that. Like if you're fighting, let's say Conor McGregor was fighting in Dublin and he was four rounds rounds down. Like could you could you see people? You know, it's right out. He's four rounds down. Let's well, we can get this fight stopped. Let's let's have a massive riot and get the fight. Like England versus Ireland. You, you mean it should be the, the <laughs> go to example of, of when we were about to exactly. kick their asses, about to, yeah, exactly. to take them down. Uh, you know, rumor has it it was going to be at least fifteen nil that night. <laughs> exactly, yeah, but and they couldn't anyway. take it, and they destroyed the stadium. Yeah, I we, suppose. Uh, that, yeah. We should mention as well. It was a talking point this week, and we talked a lot about cage wars, about Graham Boylan, and you know him being a manager while uh, running the cage wars. Yeah. Obviously, we Aaron talked about this for like about, no. twelve. We talked about this yeah. longer than Graham may exist. Have to be fair. We also talked about it like three or four months ago, and I, you know, Ari was talking about it in his podcast this week, which he absolutely should. But he said like, "Oh no, one else is talking about it." And, like, we fucking talked about it loads like Artem remember Artem like called it out and said something about it and we discussed it so yeah look it's not good it's it's not right it shouldn't be probably be happening but there it who else would be running shows you know if it wasn't a manager or if it wasn't a gym owner like look look here like Andy Ryan has run shows John Cavanaugh yeah. has run shows the, I think the, the lads running Cage the, Legacy are owning gyms and stuff it's like who's gonna run them if they don't yeah, I think the thing is, though, uh, I, I don't know, I didn't actually hear the full thing Ariel said, but I saw a little clip, and he was saying about, you know, for example, Paddy Pimble is making way less money than nearly everybody, or everybody would agree that he des- deserves to make more money, yeah. he brings more uh, 
more eyes, more sales, more tickets, more everything. So uh, because he's with Intensity Management and Green Bull and they have like these deals with UFC and Fight Pass and they want their next fighter to come through, is he really pushing for the best possible deal? Is he going to rock the boat to try and get the best possible deal for his fighter mm-hmm. when he has all these other things in the air and we're like we've talked about this in the past and yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely, definitely a bitter argument that's a different sort of argument but yeah i, I would i would agree with that like that's, that's definitely yeah. we've talked about with ali as well before like is he gonna yeah, exactly. that's what i was gonna say it's yeah. not just it's it's everywhere in mma mma is this tiny like it's a big sport these days but it's like still a tiny circle of people who are actually you know the movers and shakers or whatever you want to call them and there's a lot of conflicts of interests going on and it doesn't make grain boiling and intensity and cage warrior and the one correct but it there's nothing illegal going on here there's no law against this or anything so yeah. you can just do whatever the fuck you want basically. <laughs> that is true. deal with it basically is what his <laughs> attitude is going to be towards it and you know no matter what we think it's kind of yeah we can't really do much about it yeah that's a big we part can talk of it about it for years but we like you, you just get tired of talking about the same thing over and over again yeah, you do. like that is a big part of it as well like uh, they're trying to get uh, MA uh, legalized or whatever in, in the UK the same as we're trying to get it legalized here in Ireland and maybe that's something in the future that they, they will have like to have in America that we will have like to have in America but at the moment they don't so like I it's it's a weird one because like we know we all know what's wrong we all know it shouldn't be happening but we also all know that there's conflicts all over the fucking place so like I don't I don't know the solution to it as well the weird the weird weird thing is right let's say you're a man let's say you're Sean Sheehan management right and you have 20 fighters in the UFC and you have 20 more outside of the UFC like are are you and even if you don't have um uh your your own promotion you're probably still going to do what Ariel is accusing Graham Bylan of doing and take the money you're giving for that fighter so you can get another fighter in afterwards so you're not seen as someone that, you know, uh, fights a hard bargain or whatever it might be. Now, <laughs> there, there's other things you could add on top of that as well, but I feel like that's happening all over the place and we see MMA managers the whole time getting criticized for well, There's it. loads of politics going on there in is, every yeah. deal. Like, yeah, like, you know, oh, sign this deal and a deal gets signed for, like, for example, like a, a Nate Diaz and then all of a sudden his mate fucking Chris Avi is fighting in the UFC, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this deal's going on all yeah. over the place. Like. Yeah, to be fair. And also, every deal that's announced now is like, oh, this is the biggest deal in the history of the UFC. It's like, where is it? How, how do you know what the other deals are? Like, like Masvidal is like the third highest paid fighter in the history of the UFC. You're like, you're, so you're getting paid more than either Brock Lesnar, John Jones, or Conor McGregor has gotten paid. Is that is that what you're trying to tell us here? I'm like, well, I'm a li- little bit of a skeptical snake about that one now. I'm not sure, but... Yeah. Um, anyway, it's look. It's it's something we have talked about in the past, and we we will uh, we will talk about again. But I, look, the one thing I, I would say with Cage Warriors, though, Ian Dean is there, and Ian Dean is matching these fights. And the like Artem, I know, has made this point before, and we spoke about it. And I'd love to get examples like of where the the intensity fighters are like getting easier fights and stuff. Because if and uh, now like it, it, the the obviously ones that that stick out are like the Paddy Pimblet and others as well, and like. Paddy lost a few fights in Cage Warriors. You know, he was in Cage Warriors probably five years longer than he wanted to be in Cage well, Warriors you know, because yeah, he was matched like, Artem may have a point. I'd have to go back. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you could present some data and maybe we'll... But if you have a kind of star like Paddy Pimble, even if he's not on your management books, if he's on your promotions books, you want this guy to be in fights that he can win. You know, you don't want this guy yeah. to, to lose four in a row and kind of kill off a star, even if he's assigned with your rival management company so mm-hmm. like it's really difficult to know how much is motivated by what factories you know it's impossible to know 
Yeah, like Graham Boylan probably doesn't even fucking know. <laughs> probably not. Yeah, like they Ian Gary as well. Ian Gary's not signed to Graham Boylan. He got put into a title fight. He got put into the tournament before that, and then he got signed by the UFC. Uh, if he was with intensity, would they be saying, "Oh, but it's only because maybe, but yeah. maybe not"? Like it's it's really d- difficult to know. You'd really have to go back and analyze it properly. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. That it's, and even then, would yeah, would you be able to decipher it? Like, is not. it just you know? people fall out all the time who's available there's coronavirus going on all this shit going on trying to get fights put together you know I'm, I doubt Ian Dean's thinking oh well this guy's intensity I can't give him that matchup no. you know what I mean I, I really doubt that's going on that, I would 100 I would stake anything on that I 100% I have the utmost respect for Ian Dean I, like I, I think it's a little bit disrespectful towards Ian Dean if you say the opposite of that to be honest and uh, I don't think anyone should be disre- disrespecting him because he is you know, he's a uh, for a lot of guys. You know, in down through the years, his uh, matchmaking and uh, his intelligence has really put guys in a position to get to where they've got to. So, I would, uh, yeah. you know. But if Graham Boylan does come along and say, "I want this matchup made," Ian Dean's an employee probably, you know, has to make it. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I that's not something like we talked about this before. I not. I don't think that's something I've seen. That's not something I've noticed. Like that's not. You know, the, the younger guys are getting matched up against younger guys. Like, I, Luke Riley today, right? I, I don't know if he signed with intensity or not. But, like, that guy got a tough matchup against another tough guy. Like, they, they, they're all getting matched with tough guys. It's happening. And, okay, like, there's some 14-second knockouts. But sometimes it's... It's easy afterwards to say, oh, this was yeah. a mismatch. But, like, people aren't... Like, you rarely see people, say you know, people yeah. say beforehand, oh, this this is a this ridiculous matchup. What's, or what's going I'll, on here? Also, you mismatch. see, it, like, look at Gerard Fanny. Okay, he lost tonight, but he's had a couple of good performances. He comes in against uh, Jack Cartwright, and he lost. And everyone's saying, oh, is he that good? Not? Then he puts on great performance. Look look at Mantikivi. They're saying, oh, Reese McKee got this easy guy. And look at Mantikivi tonight. He looks absolutely fantastic. So, you know, that, that's the way MMA works, and that's the way the world works. So... I don't know. I don't know. Do we get anywhere here, Graham? But look, we're having a conversation. <laughs> I don't think we did. Right? I think, yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult around. one. It's a difficult it, is, one. it is a difficult one. I think like the major point I think here is that there are conflicts everywhere in MMA because of the nature of it, you know. And it, like, uh, we, we you even look at local fights here, and there's fucking lads judging fighters that they're uh, they're in the same gym as and <laughs> things like that. And it just it can't not be it can't not be done if you want to put it that way. But look, we leave it at that. This podcast can go on for an hour. Um, Graham, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks everybody for listening. Uh, if you would like to sign up on our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash severe my podcast. It's the very start of the month. We've loads of stuff coming. This week on Wednesday, no, Thursday, myself, Spencer, and Harry um, Powell have an o- over an hour-long chat about media and different things like that. It's a very, very, very good chat, in-depth. So if you sign up, you'll get that there. Myself and Ian have the Chasing Pack back this Wednesday. Lots of stuff. Look ahead to Bellator Dublin. What we want to see on that card. We talk about the PFL tournament. We talk about absolutely loads more 1FC and all of that. Loads of that stuff. Uh, the Q&A every Tuesday and loads more stuff like that. So sign up over there. For me, Sean Sheehan, for Graham McDonald. We'll see you all next week. But uh, only after, only after Graham gives us his quote for the week. Graham, take it away. This actually is a different band than a band okay. you'll know. And like, when there's nowhere else to run, is there room for one more song? One more song. If you can't hold on. If you can't hold on. Hold on. That's especially for all the Man United fans struggling out there. <laughs>